This is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Sports talk like it used to be. You know, like your crazy uncle used to listen to. Only better. Here's Chris and Mo. Welcome back in. Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Oh, man, it is Top 5 Tuesday, and we are looking forward to the final segment of the day where we will honor the great Betty White with our Top 5 sitcom TV theme shows, theme songs, goodness gracious. But we got a lot of sports to talk about between now and then, Mo. Looking forward to this this next segment, too. Uh, man, I am struggling today with the, <laughs> the voice. It is what it is. Excited for this next segment, Mo, because we get a chance to talk about something we talked about yesterday briefly. Um, and there is just a lot going on in the world of college sports, but particularly in Norman, Oklahoma for a team that has been finished playing for a week and a half, it seems like. And Jason Kersey of the athletic who is joining us uh, tweeted this yesterday. He said, maybe one day we'll get a day off. Jason, have you gotten that day off yet? (laughs) Hey guys. Uh, not not exactly, but but that's okay. That's kind of what we signed up for, right? This has just been, you know, I, I've been telling people it's like this. I, I've covered Oklahoma for about ten years now, and um, the the program was just this model of consistency throughout the Stoops years, right? Like there was just no drama, very very little drama. Uh, you knew Stoops was the coach. You knew Castiglione was the AD. They rarely fired assistants. There was no coaching searches. And, uh, and then he just seamlessly hands it off to Lincoln Riley. And I'll tell you, I've made up for all of that in the last couple of months, I think. <laughs> <laughs> the, the coaching search that you didn't have to go through from Stoops to Riley is, has now been negated, huh? Yeah, I would say so, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting to me, you know, how this program – like you said, it went from a model of consistency to a little bit of, you know, I guess not necessarily disarray, but there was kind of some uncertainty for a lot of that coaching search because, you know, folks really weren't expecting Lincoln Riley to leave. And then when they did, when he did, it, it really sent uh, Oklahoma fans and I guess you guys into kind of a tailspin into what does what's going on? What 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 do we do now? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just very unfamiliar territory for OU fans and and for us in the media that cover it. I mean, <clears throat> there hasn't been a coaching search in Norman since 1998 when Bob Stoops was hired. I mean, uh, a lot of the fans today don't even remember that, and if they do, uh, it was very very long ago. And so, I think it was jarring. I mean, you had <clears throat> Lincoln Riley and a seemingly great situation in Norman, uh, choosing not uh, choosing not to go to the NFL, not to take a step up, but to go to another Blue Blood University. Um, you know, a coach hasn't left Oklahoma for another college job since 1946 or 7, I believe. Um, so this is just not something that happens and not something that 
uh, OU fans are used to. So I think they were shell-shocked. I think uh, there was a lot of concern because then, uh, you know, it's not just that Lincoln Riley left. He took a bunch of assistant coaches in. A bunch of people entered the transfer portal. They lost uh, commitments from a bunch of their top guys who then flipped to USC. I mean, it just felt like an attack, I think, for a lot of people. And so uh, it was shocking. But, but I mean, really, the, the Brent Venable hire, the staff he's put together, the way he's recovered their recruiting efforts um, and has them in the top ten now has been pretty incredible. You know, and, and to piggyback on that, Jason, you know, the um, you, you get Venables in place, you get Levy in place, and then all of a sudden you've got the, the quarterback – musical chairs with um with rattler leaving with with caleb williams going into the portal um but saying he's keeping his options open and then all of a sudden dylan gabriel says okay guess i'll just stop off in norman instead of heading out to ucla i mean where did that stuff come from over the last 24 hours yeah, I mean, the fact that Caleb Williams entered the transfer portal wasn't a surprise. He, um, you know, he, he spoke to the media for the first time um, after the Alamo Bowl and didn't address his future and did acknowledge that he had a decision to make. Um, I think a lot of people uh, around here sort of hoped that maybe he'd come into that interview and, and declare right then that he was all in with, with Brent Venables. And that's just not what happened. And so I think the fact that he entered the portal was no surprise. I was surprised that the Dylan Gabriel news was right there teed up for them right <laughs> after that. I mean, um, they, I mean, I, I, I sort of thought maybe there'd be a couple days. Dylan Gabriel was committed to UCLA. Um, he was set to actually start classes at UCLA yesterday. And I'm pretty sure if he'd gone to class, if he'd actually enrolled and gone to class, uh, he wouldn't have been available for Oklahoma to take. And so um, it, the, the way that played out was pretty wild. I, I've never seen anything like it. And I think it, it, it surely uh, now makes it much less likely that Caleb Williams comes back because, um, you know, I, I, my, my guess is that Dylan Gabriel wouldn't have made such a drastic flip at the last minute if he didn't have some measure of uh, assurance that he was going to be the guy. That said, Jason – is that a net gain or a net loss at the quarterback position? You lose Caleb Williams, potentially you get Dylan Gabriel. I mean, is the fact that Gabriel is an experienced quarter that quarterback, does that put him ahead of Williams at this point? Or what, what's the feel as far as that trade-off goes? Yeah, I don't, I don't know uh, really as far as that goes. I mean, Dylan Gabriel's had a great career at UCF, put up huge numbers. Um, Caleb Williams, though, was a, is a special, special talent. And the things that he showed uh, in flashes last year as a freshman are really exciting. And, and I think a lot of people rightly view him as a, as a superstar. And so mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's – I'm not sure Dylan Gabriel is has maybe as high a ceiling as Caleb Williams does. But the things Dylan Gabriel has going for him is he's got experience. And he knows Jeff Levy's offense. He played with Jeff Levy for a year at UCF and really played well under that system. And so they already have a relationship. I, so uh, in some ways, I think he come out on top. And in some ways, maybe with the, just the feeling that Caleb Williams has, may, maybe you come out a little bit down. So I think it's, I think it's a very, 
it's an unequivocally good thing for Oklahoma to have had Dylan Gabriel waiting in the wings when that Caleb Williams uh, news drop. It's interesting that, you know, Jeff Levy has had several really good quarterbacks, and the feeling in Norman has to be positive with the news of the assistant coaches that Brent Venables has announced to this point. Uh, recent, most recently, co-defensive coordinator Todd Bates coming from Clemson. Do you do you guys feel like this staff or is are our fans saying that this staff is something that they can be excited about? Yeah, I, I think there's no doubt about it. I mean, Jeff Levy, um, you, know, you you lose. Uh, you know, obviously Lincoln Riley was the head coach, but he also was the offensive coordinator, was the quarterback coach, and you lose that, and you sort of say, you know, that that that's no good because he's one of the top offensive minds in college football. Well, I don't know that you could have hit more of a home run in replacing him than with Jeff Levy because Jeff Levy is uh, also an up and coming rising star in the coaching world. Um, done some really good things at, at UCF and Ole Miss, and, and even going back to the, the work he did in helping build Baylor up into the program that it was uh, on the field anyway. And so um, I, I think you couldn't have hit more of a home run with Jeff Levy, and people were really excited about that. Uh, Todd Bates, arguably Clemson's best recruiter. I mean, that that's massive uh, that they were able to get him to come over um, uh, and, and join the staff. Um and then you also, I think people were also excited that a, that a large portion of the offensive staff was, was kept intact. Kale Gundy, Bill Biedenboe, DeMarco Murray, and Joe John Finley, all OU guys. Um, you know, Biedenboe's been on the staff since 2013. Gundy's been on the staff since 1999. Um, DeMarco Murray and, and, uh, and, uh, Joe John Finley are both former Sooners players. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's a good staff and I think it's exciting to people. And again, I think it sort of helps ease the, uh, ease the burden or ease the pain of, of, of what happened with Lincoln Riley when things have really flipped and, and are going pretty well right now. Speaking with Jason Kersey of the athletic covers, Oklahoma football. And Jason, you mentioned DeMarco Murray and I'm, I'm kind of curious about a guy who was as successful a player both at the collegiate and at the professional level as DeMarco Murray has been, you don't often see those guys come back to the college level and and have success as a coach. How How is he being received in that position down in Norman? Yeah, it's really interesting because it wasn't all that long ago that he was a uh, you know, an all-pro NFL running back. And, uh, you know, he, he sort of uh, – he, he fell into coaching because, uh, you know, Kevin Sumlin, who, who was an assistant coach at Oklahoma when he played there, uh, was the coach at Arizona, had an opening as running back coach, sort of took a chance on DeMarco Murray despite him having no coaching experience. And, uh, and then Oklahoma had an opening at running back coach. And I think Lincoln Riley saw – the, the DeMarco Murray star power and what that could mean on the recruiting trail. And so he brought him back to Norman. And, uh, you know, the first year was rough for DeMarco uh, recruiting-wise because they didn't sign any running backs. I think a lot of people were really disappointed and wondered if, if he was a very good recruiter. But uh, he also had to do it his first year in the COVID year when there were no in-home visits, there were no uh, in-person interactions with anyone. And since that stuff has opened back up, he's done a remarkable job recruiting. 
the, the player, the uh, running back, young running backs out there, uh, a lot of them remember DeMarco Murray playing on TV and remember uh, being fans of him. And I think that really, that really helps him. Real quick, I want to get your thoughts on the rest of the college football world, Jason. Are, are you surprised that it's Alabama, Georgia, once again for a national title? Not really. I mean, I, I was. <laughs> I must admit that I must admit that I was hopeful that, that it might be uh, you know something a little different. Um, that, that you know, I hoped that if there was a chance that. Maybe Cincinnati would I, – I knew they probably wouldn't have a chance. But, you know, I was hopeful. And then Michigan, uh, ending the season the way they did, I, I, was, I was a little bit hopeful. It's nothing against those SEC schools. It just would have been a little bit more exciting to see something sure. not so predictable happen, I guess. Yeah, and I think that's that's most everyone outside of – even a lot of the folks inside the SEC footprint are tired of it, to be honest with you. And as every article that I – Every website I went to yesterday had something about yesterday being the 15th anniversary of Nick Saban taking the plane ride to Tuscaloosa from Miami and being named the Alabama coach. So it's it, it can get frustrating. We, we feel it here, and I know you guys feel it there. But uh, what was your favorite bowl game? Oh, man, my favorite bowl game. Um, you know, the, uh, the Iowa State-Clemson – uh, game was, was pretty good. Iowa State definitely gave them a, gave them a scare there at the end. I, I enjoyed that one. Um, I enjoyed the mayonnaise bowl. Just, I mean, for the same <laughs> crazy reasons that everybody else did. Uh, sure. I, I, you know, I enjoyed the one I covered. The Alamo Bowl was, was a lot of fun. Oklahoma had a big lead, and, and Oregon, you know, really made a run there in the second half. So that was a fun game between two two sort of traditional powers. So I, I always enjoy both. Don't we all? Jason Kersey of The Athletic covers Oklahoma. You can follow him at Jason Kersey on Twitter. That's J-A-S-O-N-K-E-R-S-E-Y. Jason, we appreciate it. Thanks, guys. When we come back, more college football after this. Stick around. <laughs> 